I understand the frustration of feeling like you need to justify your choices. Explaining your lifestyle over and over and over again because everyone from random strangers to even your own family just doesn't get it. Hey, I'm Allison Conway. That's why I'm here to help you build a profitable business that gives you the freedom to travel and work from anywhere. I've been there. And in this podcast, I'm going to share with you the real actionable how to's so you can finally confidently say it is a real job, dad. This is a Soulfire production. Being a responsible traveler is extremely nuanced. It's complex, it's complicated, but there are a few things that we can do, some basics, things that we could do to be responsible travelers. And I, and I wanna go into a few of those. Recently, I was reminded of an article that came out a few years ago talking about some kids, some white kids, they were, uh, either, you know, 19 or 20, early twenties. Uh, and they were backpacking in Southeast Asia and they were begging on the street as if they were homeless for money. This infuriates me. Absolutely infuriates me. These are kids. They, I think they were Australian. They might've been American. I, I don't remember. And this is, there, there were articles written about this, but this is also something that I witnessed when I was backpacking in Southeast Asia. And when I was there, I was, let's see, how old was I? I was 20, 26, 25, 26, I think. And this is something that I, that I witnessed young white kids begging on the street for money. Now, let me tell you why this infuriates me so much. First of all, this demonstrates profound privilege and blindness to that privilege. You are literally a tourist in poverty. You are, are pouring and uh, for the sake of going to the next beach in Thailand, a poverty tourist begging on the street for money from people who are actually living in poverty this is so beyond. It's funny, but it's so, so, so not funny. These kids were are begging on the street because they want to go to what the full moon party in Thailand. So you need to get some extra money to pay for your alcohol. So you're begging on the street. It is to me so beyond disrespectful and humiliating to be associated with that kind of traveler because i've i've done the backpacking thing in southeast asia i've done i've done the thing 
and it was great. And yeah, I drank a lot and I partied and did all that kind of stuff too. So I want to talk about this because that is so unacceptable. That is such an unacceptable way. And you might be listening and thinking, oh my God, I would never do that. I would never like put my hands out, sit on, sit on a street corner and put my hands out and expect people to give me money. Sure. And you probably wouldn't ever do that. And I applaud you for that. That's good. That's the first step. But there are some things, and in this episode, I just want to go through some of the basics because they it is very nuanced and complicated. So we can't in just one podcast episode, I, I can't go into to everything. So I want to talk about some things. The very first thing is don't beg on the street. As someone who purely by by having a blue passport you have more money and more access to money simply by coming from the western cultures that you come from the american dollar in cambodia for example the um i forget what their currency is called i think it's called the real um i'm going to have to fact check myself on that i, I believe it's called um reals so in Cambodia, they use American dollars as their day-to-day currency because the real is not worth very much. So they give you, you might give them, you know, if you buy a soda or something and it's a dollar, and or or let's say it's um it's 75 cents, you give them a dollar, they're going to most likely give you reels as change because the the currency is not worth very much. So simply by using American dollars, or if these kids were Australian, or or simply by having money from these these Western cultures, your money is worth more in in our respective economies. So much so that one of the countries is literally using American dollars because their own currency doesn't doesn't have any weight it doesn't actually it's not actually worth anything so so understand that even though me as a as a 25 year old kid that that was backpacking southeast asia and at the time i didn't i didn't really have any money just by sheer fact that i'm there for fun and and that i'm i'm you know when uh, they say, oh, a bowl of pho is a dollar. And I, I don't think that's a lot. Just that understanding and your mindset around money says everything. It says everything that we need it to say. So just by sheer fact that you are from the United States or Australia or Canada, it says everything that you need to know about being in Southeast Asia. Just by what your money, just by how far your dollar can stretch in comparison, even if you don't have a lot of it, right? When I went to Southeast Asia, I was there for almost four months and I think I spent maximum $4,000. And a thousand of that, I think I spent on scuba diving. So 
really, if you take scuba diving out for four months, it was $3,000. So $3,000 for me was a lot of money at the time. And I was like, we were, when we did that, we were very frugal about it. We did not spend a lot of money, but by sheer fact that we were choosing to take this trip, not working and choosing to be there for fun says everything that it, that it needs to say about the privilege that we have when we go abroad. Even if we don't, quote, have a lot of money, we do have a lot of money. So just internalize that, understand that, understand where you're coming from. You are, you are literally a, a tourist in the country and also in the lifestyle. When I was in Southeast Asia, um, uh, in Laos, we decided to do a trek through the jungle of Northern Laos. And this is something that we paid money to do. Now, this is something I'm admitting to here that we paid to, we paid to do this. And in the jungle of Laos, real people live there. Real people do this every single day. And we were going on what was called, I think they called it the survival trek. Like we ate plants and had to boil our water and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. So I paid money for someone to basically show me how they lived all the time. I was a tourist. And I mean that in both the like as a traveler sense, but also uh, I, I am just visiting this lifestyle. And then I go home. I'm just here visiting. I'm a tourist in what your everyday life is. I get to go home. I'm not surviving in the jungle of Laos. I paid somebody to do that for me for a few days. That demonstrates immense privilege. I get to try it on for size and then I get to leave. I get to do it for fun. I get to survive in the jungle for fun and then have someone fly me out. Yeah? Recognize these things. Pay attention to these things. There are, when I did that trip, there were things that I, I wasn't paying attention to and I didn't recognize. Looking back, I recognize it. And it's not necessarily wrong. It's not necessarily a bad thing that I did that. Um, but it does represent rem a remarkable amount of privilege, like an astounding amount of privilege that I get to decide to live like I'm in poverty. And then I get somebody to fly me out. Okay, so the first thing in being a responsible traveler is recognizing the astounding privilege that you have by simply entering their world, by simply being there in the first place. You have demonstrated incre an incredible amount of privilege. Okay, there are some other things that I want to talk about, some, some other basics. So the easiest thing to do here when you are traveling is to do your best to learn important words of their language. Now, especially in places like Southeast Asia, where the um, 
the inflection of the word means as much, if not more, than the word itself. It's really difficult to learn certain languages and get it right and not say something that you're not supposed to say. But trying in earnest, really, really, really trying and being willing to embarrass yourself, being willing to get it wrong and asking for help, asking somebody to say, hey, listen, am I saying this right? Is this the right thing? I really want to get this right. In most places, people are really thankful that you're trying and really appreciate the the effort that you're putting in. And the effort has to be genuine. So some words that you want to, you know, words that you are going to use every day. Hello, goodbye, thank you, you're welcome. Some um, some specific foods, some things that you want to be able to communicate. Um, just your 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 basics. You want to make sure that you learn them, and then you use them, even if you're going to get it wrong. You want to use them and try your hardest, no matter what. It's one of those things that. Um, for someone who is a local there or or someone who's used to tourists being assholes and not giving a damn and not caring and thinking that the locals exist for their entertainment and someone comes in and tries really hard and has a respect for the place where they are visiting and has a um a humility to their to their lack of awareness but their willingness to learn that goes a really really long way in gaining the favor of of the people and the respect of the people is showing them respect in the first place and the first thing that you can do to show them respect in the first place and to show that you're really putting in the best effort and you believe that they're not just there for your entertainment really is an important thing to do as a traveler and as someone who um you know wants to get the most out of the experience while also understanding that you're in their home that's that's the next thing to to really understand is you are a guest you're the visitor this is where they live this is where they do their grocery shopping. This is where they send their kids to school. This is this is their life. So you have to understand that this is where you live. It's really interesting to me. We do this um, for animals a lot better than we do it for humans. So when I was living in Alaska, the um, the rhetoric up there is this is bear country. This is where this is their home. And we respect them. We get out of the way for them. We, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't bring them around. We don't shoot them when we don't have to shoot them. We, we respect them. This is their home. And it's really interesting to me that we do that. We have that kind of mindset for animals more so than we do humans. You know, somebody goes to France and sees a baker and then is taking pictures of the baker like 
it's look he's making baguettes and we're in france and now we have to take a picture with the baker because it's just they exist for our entertainment here they are entertaining us they are for us when no -uh, -uh, uh this is their home imagine how uncomfortable you would feel if someone came up to you and said oh my gosh you're uh you know this is you like living out a stereotype of this place that you live like you're uh in north carolina eating barbecue and someone comes up to you and says oh my gosh you're eating barbecue and you're in north carolina i'm gonna take your picture how how frustrating how like humiliating would that be and how uncomfortable would that make you feel yeah, it would. It would. Think about that. If someone came up to you and was taking your picture because you were demonstrating some stereotype of where you are and they were looking at you like you were meant to be their entertainment, that would make you really, really uncomfortable. And I've always found it so fascinating that we're so willing to say, you know, that about animals, like this is their home and we're just their guest. But we don't say that about human beings when we're traveling. So so recognize your own privilege. Try your best to learn basic words in their language and recognize that you're the guest. This is not this is not for your entertainment. This is a real place where we real people live, go to work, go to school. This is not um, it is not quote exotic. They're real people doing real things just like you and I. Okay, so I talked about this uh, for a second, but I, I want to really harp on it here. And, and that is the willingness to be wrong. And that's about learning the language, but it's also about the culture overall. It's also about... Um, unlearning stereotypes and uh recognizing maybe some some stereotypes that you had internalized about this particular place and just in general the lifestyle that you are walking into maybe it's something completely different maybe it's not totally different but there are some things here and there that that are and it is for you. Travel is, if you're doing it right, is meant to be a little uncomfortable. It's meant to really shine a light on your knowledge gaps and to demonstrate for you what, uh, what you didn't know or what you thought you did know. So a willingness to be wrong, that goes beyond, you know, pronouncing the word wrong, uh, especially in languages where the inflection matters so much. It goes beyond that, you know, I'm going to practice this word. I'm going to get it wrong a couple of times, but someone might be willing to help me. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get it right. It goes really into, um, stereotypes and believing that entire groups of people feel or say or do a particular thing and going into their environment out of your own comfort zone and into their home and i want you to completely strip yourself 
of those narratives. I want you to enter into a new country already assuming that everything you know about it is wrong. And that will suddenly for you open the door to this like crazy amount of learning, both about the country and about the the people that live there, but also about yourself. And that's the beauty of travel. There are these moments that you think, oh, shit, I was so, so wrong about that. It's not like that. It's actually like this. And if it means I was wrong about that, then what else am I wrong about? And if you're willing to, then that can just open this beautiful rabbit hole of understanding and learning and development. So it's really, really important that when you enter into a new place, you are going into it knowing already that you're wrong and that you have a lot to learn. It's, it's imperative. And when you do that, you then ask more questions. You're willing to let people open your eyes to things. And God, that becomes so much fun. If you let it, if you don't take it personally, if you don't, if you, if it's not about you being a good person or a bad person or, or anything like that, it just becomes so much fun when you are willing to open the door to that kind of learning. So be, be willing to learn and be willing to be wrong. For this week's musical lesson, we are returning to one of my favorite Broadway shows of all time, Hamilton. And this time we are talking about saying goodbye to things that no longer suit you. And of course, there is no better way to talk about this than through the song One Last Time. This is the song that George Washington sings when he is telling Alexander Hamilton that he has decided not to run for office for a third time. This is so powerful. Historically, it's if George Washington had decided to stay president until he died, the American experiment would have been over before it even started. We would have just had another, essentially a monarch who stayed president until he died, but he decided to step away from the most powerful position of all time because it wasn't it wasn't for him anymore. It was time to give it away to somebody else. He says he's stepping down and he's not running for president. He is telling Alexander Hamilton that this is the time that it's time to teach the country how to say goodbye. It's time to teach the country that there is a time to move on and to let somebody else take the role. He sings, if I say goodbye, the nation learns to move on. It outlives me when I'm gone. Like the scripture says, everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. They'll be safe in the nation we've made. I want to sit under my own vine and fig tree, a moment alone in the shade at home in this nation we've made one last time. This is so powerful because even someone like George Washington is admitting he wants some rest. (laughs) He's done a lot. He's 
fought in wars. He has been the greatest general of the revolution. He has done a lot for the country and historically. Uh, yeah, I think that kind of speaks for itself, don't you think? <laughs> and if even a guy like this can say, you know what? It's time for me to sit the hell down and take some rest. I think that means you can sit down and take some rest too. Now, I talk all the time about doing the hard thing and saying yes, even when you don't want to say yes. And all that kind of stuff is important. And I break all of that down in some other episodes. So go back and have a listen to that. But here's the point I'm trying to make here. Yes, you should do the hard things, but you should also rest. Your body needs it desperately, just as much as it needs you to do hard things. And you deserve to take that rest. You deserve to say, you know what? This thing, especially if it's a thing that is precisely responsible for your success, even if it's, if, if it's the thing that has gotten you this far, but it doesn't feel good anymore and it doesn't, it doesn't light you up the same way that it has, especially then is it time to say, you know what? It's time for me to sit under my own vine and fig tree a moment alone in the shade at home in this nation we've made. Now, maybe for you, that means you've got to hire somebody to take over things that you don't like doing anymore, or you have to sort of shuffle business models and programs and products around a little bit. But regardless of however you need to figure it out, maybe it's just letting it go entirely. Maybe it's just saying, eh, maybe this thing is making me money. Maybe it isn't. Maybe I've had enough. And it's time to just let it be what it is. I don't feel good about this anymore. And I need a moment alone in the shade. You deserve that rest. And even though maybe the country would have benefited from another term with George Washington, maybe who knows, who knows what would be different had he decided not to step down. But so what? He played his part. He did what he was meant to do. And then he decided he'd had enough and he decided it was time to let somebody take the reins from here. I get in these conversations with myself all the time that maybe it's a thing that helps me become successful. Maybe it's a thing that I'm really good at. So why would I stop doing it? Or it's you know, it's a, it's a habit or it's a strategy I've used that did feel good for a while, but doesn't feel good now. I, I often wonder, well, if I stop, then am I going to miss out on something? I'm sure George Washington had these thoughts too. If he stops now, what problems are going to come up that he's not in a position to solve? What's going to happen that he's now removed himself from the position of power that he's not going to be able to be the problem solver? If I get rid of this strategy in my business, what if I am preventing myself from making money? If I stop doing, if I stop taking on so many clients, am I going to be able to make money? If I, if I make changes or, or 
get rid of some part of my business? Am I going to not be able to help enough people? Am I not going to be able to solve enough problems? And it's a lot. And I get caught in the, the whole hamster wheel thing of it too. But here's the thing. And I say this out loud for myself and for you. If you want to sit under your own vine and fig tree, a moment alone in the shade at home, in this nation you've made, in this business, in this life, in this relationship, in this anything that you've made, you deserve to do that. You deserve the rest. And actually, your business is probably going to thrive as a result of it. Maybe you're bottlenecking your employees. Maybe there's some strategy that you think is, is responsible for, for bringing in X amount of revenue into your, into your business, but it's actually preventing you from making even more. Whatever it is, you need to listen to your gut because if you're not listening to your gut, it's trying to tell you something and it's time for you to listen. Go sit under, under that fig tree, whatever that means for you, and take the damn rest that you need. Here's another one. Do your best. And sometimes this is tricky, depending on the country that you're in and, and how they feel about forests. Because there are places all over the world that uh, really don't like forests and really with with complete legitimacy really resent the tourism industry in their respective country uh a great example of this is hawaii if you go back and listen to that episode with sarah she really broke down for us what it was like what the tourism industry is like for native hawaiians now, of course, for Hawaii in particular, the tourism economy, uh, it's really important and we don't want tourism to just completely go away in Hawaii. But that level of respect needs to be there and the, um, the willingness to be wrong and the willingness to learn also needs to be there. You know, Sarah talks about the beaches and how sunscreen and pollution and and plastic has really has really played a role. So Hawaii is a great example, and there are other examples. Um, Barcelona is a good example where the tourism is the, it, it, there's so much tourism that high rise hotels and things like that have gone up in the in the city centers, and that's pushed out locals. And there's a big move in Barcelona to limit the amount of tourists that come in. Uh, because they're being moved out of their own city. And if you think about that as a traveler, that's not what you want at all, because you want to go experience the culture. You want to go learn about them. And if all the locals are being pushed out of the, the center of Barcelona, then what the hell is the point? It's just a beachside city in Europe that a bunch of Americans go to. It's just It just becomes an, an Americanized city with all American people, right? That's not what we want as travelers at all. So there are a lot of situations where I do advocate for limiting the amount of people that can, that can go into a place because that's not what I want. I want Barcelona to be for Barcelona, Barcelonian people. That's what I want. So 
there are certain countries and certain places where tourism it's it's a really difficult relationship between local and traveler or tourist and that's fair and you need to respect that as well you need to a understand where that comes from and b be respectful of the fact that they may not love the idea that you're there and if there are certain places like that do the research and maybe that's not where you go this time maybe that's just not where you go and that's okay that's okay but as much as possible you want to make an effort to interact with the people and the culture and the lifestyle around you in a way that is away from your resort. So basically what I'm trying to say is you don't want your only interaction with a local person to be as your bartender. Yeah? You don't want your only opportunity to talk to a person who lives there, who's grown up there, who or you know who who knows about the culture and knows about all all of that kind of stuff. You want to be able to to learn from them as much as possible. But when they are in a service kind of a customer service kind of position, that puts them in a really uncomfortable situation because they have to be professional. They're doing a job. So there's only so much that they can say for you and the there's only so there's only so much of their opinion they can actually share because they're in a customer service situation. You're paying them to do a job. So it it puts them in a really difficult position when you ask you know let's say in Hawaii I wanted to ask someone's opinion about the tourism industry. Yeah. And I go to the concierge at the front desk of my resort and I say, so, so tell me the truth. What do you think about all this? She's not going to say, oh, well, this resort was stolen. This, the land that this resort is on was stolen. (laughs) She's not going to say that. She's going to say, oh, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. Can I recommend a restaurant? Because that puts her in a really, really uncomfortable situation. So as best as you can put yourself in situations that don't force the locals into those kinds of situations so you don't want them to be providing a service for you and of course that's you know there's some inevitability of you're going to have a local person as your bartender that that's that's all likelihood yeah but you want to go outside of your resort. You want to do the do the best you can to maybe eat at places that aren't that popular or do the best that you can to be put in situations where you can have honest conversations and they can tell you the truth. That's what you want. That is as much as you want as humanly possible because you don't want to put them in a situation where they're relying on tips. So they don't know what they can and cannot say to you, or they've got a boss that's looking at them. And it's just really, really uncomfortable to have those kinds of conversations with people that are in customer service jobs, right? Imagine if someone came up to you at your job and said, Hey, tell me, tell me what you hate about this. 
or like tell me the real tell me tell me the real tell me the gossip about what's going on here you'd be like no bro what the hell do you want from me this is my livelihood this is where i make my money go away yeah so keep all that stuff in mind so recognize the immense privilege that you have that's really step one going into it with that kind of mindset is the is the first most important thing that you have that you have to understand even when you don't have a lot of money you have a lot of money so that's the that's the first thing learn some words in their language in earnest really put in the effort really try be willing to embarrass yourself a little bit be willing to not get it right the first time. There's another piece of this that I forgot to mention, and that's some customs as well. So an example in Malaysia, it's it's like a no-no to point with your index finger, like a big, big no-no. So you point with your thumb, you turn your, you uh, sort of flick your wrist over and turn your wrist over and point with your thumb with the, with your four fingers, like in, um, in your palm. So there's things like that. You don't want to point with your index finger, right? You want to do the thing that's right. So you have to do a little bit of research and wear the right clothes. This was a mistake that I made. I was in a Muslim country and I was in jean shorts and a t-shirt. No, Allison, wrong, 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 wrong. And I didn't understand why people were staring at me and why people were giving me the like how dare you kind of look again we're in their house we're in their country we follow their rules so when i finally figured it out i was like oh why are people staring at me i looked down and i'm in jean shorts like oh i'm gonna go put on some long pants yeah i'm gonna respect the fact that i'm in a muslim country and not wear jean shorts and that's okay. I don't need to love the rules. I don't need to believe that they're correct or just, but I have decided to enter their country. So I am not going to change their rules. I am not going to start a revolution to change their rules. I'm going to follow their rules because I have made the decision to enter their country and I am a guest here. So recognize your own privilege and and the money situation that's going on and do not for the love of all things holy beg on the street for money ever as a traveler as a tourist you've decided to be here for fun for educational and leisure so no begging on the street learn the words learn the customs learn the rules. You're the outsider. You're the guest. It's their country. It's their home. You do not need to change the rules. You do not need to agree with the rules. You just need to follow them. Be willing to be wrong about everything, about everything that you have preconceived of what their life is like. Be willing to be wrong and be willing to learn and be willing to ask questions, have humility over your lack of knowledge. Seek out the opportunities as much as you can to interact with the people in a way that is not in a service 
in a customer service situation. Those are the basics. I would love to know if you guys think I missed anything. I'm sure I did. The nuance and, and complexity of this is huge. And I'm doing my best as a traveler to learn and to do better every time. So please let me let me know what I missed. And even I, I could probably do a whole other episode on this because there's so much more that can be discussed in this. Um, so I'd love to know. Let me know. Tag me at Alison e. Conway on Instagram and, and let me know what your thoughts are with these.